Danny Shirey, who covers your favorite hockey team for us at DK Pittsburgh Sports, along with Taylor Haas, advised everyone reading his final report from rookie camp yesterday to not take even remotely seriously any of the line combinations that the big boys were using on the other rink in an informal practice. You know, even though they all lined up as if it was a real game. Yeah, Danny, I'm going to ignore that, right? There's no chance I'm going to talk about the line combinations that were used. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. The main training camp opens tomorrow at 9 a.m. And of course, everyone's already present and accounted for. That's the nature of hockey. Got to have those legs churning and you got to have them churning for weeks before you get into the formal stuff. So while the formal rookie camp was wrapping up on the main rink, out on the back rink, again, there were the main guys. And these were the lines that were utilized. It had, of course, Sid between Jake and Rust, duh. Gino between Zucker and Danton Heinen over on the right side, even though he's a left shot. He's shown in the past he's capable of playing on both wings. Jeff Carter between Ricard Raquel on the left side, Kasperi Kapanen on the right side. Teddy Bluger between Drew O'Connor and Brock McGinn. Now, the problem with saying, hey, don't pay these any attention is that they kind of feel like, you know, it might be a thing. If you look at the players who were left off, so to speak, meaning they were on other lines, it was three lines per team in the scrimmage. The players were Josh Archibald, Radim Zahorna, Alex Nylander, Drake Kajula, Ryan Paling, Jamie Devane. You get the idea. These are not the front runners to make the team. So if you have 12 forwards and this was the way they aligned and somebody aligned them, even though it's informal and technically coaches can't be involved, then somebody might have at least said, hey, it looks like you might be playing with so-and-so this fall. You see what I'm saying? So, but yeah, I'm going to take a little bit of license here and I'm going to do it in this form. Sid, Jake, and Rust, just take them uh, and, and slide them off to the far end of the shelf because you know they're staying together. They're not going to be messing with that. You're not going to see Raquel up there. If you do, it's going to be some preseason fun thing just in case something happens down the road. Okay. Next, and it's this is more of a broader mindset than it is a, a line combination. I believe especially after seeing this thing that I'm not supposed to pay any attention to, that the Penguins are much better off thinking of their forward group within the prism of a top nine rather than a top six. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals. 
for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. Look, there's no HBK on the horizon. Every team would love one. Pittsburgh loved the one that it had and loved the impact that it had. It was your model, your dream third line. Nick Benino between Phil Kessel and Carl Hagelin, they had a little bit of everything to them, especially the speed and the forecheck and the wear down effect. That is not easily replicated. Uh, the two wingers on that line were world-class talents at what they did. I'm not suggesting that Hagelin had some magical hands or anything, but there aren't many humans who are faster or have ever been faster in the history of the National Hockey League. And from there, you had a more conventional top six. Everyone knew who the top two lines were. And then the fourth line would be whatever. You'd put your Eric Fair types back there. And you win the cup using something of a formula based on top six HBK fourth line. Well, that's no longer in play. In fact, there isn't anything that's even close to that. You're not going to have a third line that goes out there as some disruptive force, as some heavy duty for checking operation. It's just not going to be there. At times, the Penguins were able to recreate some form of that with the various line mates that Teddy Bluger had over the years, especially when it was Zach Aston Reese and Brandon Tanev, for whatever cause. You, you, you don't know why these things work sometimes the way that they do. But now, now you've basically got nine scoring forwards for your top three lines. And if you make them interchangeable without worrying about wounding anyone's ego, it might be effective. I say this in part because of seeing Raquel skating to Carter's left. Carter is going to be your third line center. That you can take to the bank. Kapanen is probably going to be on that wing. So someone's going to be over there, whether it's Heinen or Raquel. And that's where the decisions have to be made without anyone saying, wait a second, you paid Raquel how much money? And he's not even in your top six. That can't matter. That can't matter. Believe you me, there are situations where it does. And I mean, internally, there are sometimes GMs who say, hey, what are you doing here, coach? I mean, look at the money that I just spent on this guy and you've got him on a checking line. Oh, no, no, it's the third line. But it's been the checking line for a big, big portion of hockey's lore. All I'm saying here is that I would take these nine forwards, whoever they happen to be, and I'm going to repeat from yesterday that I really hope that chances are given to someone like, say, Drew O'Connor to be an impact guy if he does, in fact, outperform any of those other wingers ahead of him. And from there, have Mike Sullivan make it very, very clear there isn't a top six on this team. There's a top nine. We feel like we're deep. We feel like we're dot, dot, dot. And approach it like that. When we come back, J1Q. Today's J1 
J1Q comes from Brian Conley, who asks, DK, is there one prospect who has one elite skill, like, say, Brian Rust skating, but hasn't put it all together, who has a chance to leverage that skill into a solid NHL career? You know, for as many negative assessments as anyone is capable of offering for this system, and it is not a good system, not when it comes to a high ceiling, not when it comes to significant depth. There just isn't much there. I could still take a handful of different individual traits of young guys and Frankenstein them into something really, really special. And I think that's what you're getting at here. Uh, if you have someone who can skate like Rust, or like Haglin that I referenced in the opening segment, you can, generally speaking, find a way to turn that into an NHL-level player. Someone who just has extraordinary speed. The wheels are usually, not always, usually going to get you at least a look at the top level. That player with that highly specific skill does not exist in the system. Now, the plus to that is you will see players make jumps in their speed from year to year when they're very young. You've seen it just recently with Drew O'Connor. We saw it a couple of years ago with Nathan Legere, where guys just get some extra coaching. They lengthen their stride. They stretch out how far they're going with each step, and they become a lot faster. They learn how to glide. They learn how to balance better. But those guys never morph into the Rust slash Haglin. I, I keep leaving Kasperi Kapanen off this list. I really, really shouldn't. He's he's right there in a foot race with Rust. Just a, a really, really, really fast player. And by the way, that's the reason he keeps getting paid. But there are other traits too. Legere, who I've already mentioned, was born with just a booming shot and a really, really decisive finish. He has a lot of other things to check in terms of boxes before he gets a chance to show anything close to that at the NHL level. Valtteri Pustinen, my guy in the minor league system, has a vision and precision to his game that no one else has. And I, I see those things as almost one and the same. Because if you have vision on the ice, but you don't have precision to your execution, it doesn't really matter because you're not going to be able to get the puck to the person or the thing that you see, meaning a stick that's being presented to you. And Pustinen has both of those. He also has a better, no pun intended, finish than a lot of people might know. He can let it go. And, and that's... To an extent, his one-timer, but more than that, it's it's the release off the wrister. Add that in with his natural propensity for backing into the goaltender uh, butt first and making himself a presence in front, and you've got yourself a player who's got some potential. They just need to give him a chance. I'm a big, big, big Pustinen guy. Remember that when he comes to Pittsburgh and makes his impact eventually. Sam Poulin has a natural strength to him. He's a really, really strong kid. You can tell he was just kind of born that way. Even at his draft 
He wasn't a wiry teenager the way some of these children are when they have their name called. Uh, he showed up looking like somebody that you could throw a uniform on right then and there and say, go play the devils. But my most accurate answer possible to your question is no, no. And that's what you get for not having first rounders for such a long time. First rounders tend to have that single easily defined trait where you feel like as a scout, as a scouting director, as a GM, that look, no matter what else might go wrong with this kid, he'll at least have that. That's what gets you into the first round. And there's just not that in the Pittsburgh system. Now, when I say all of this, please understand that I'm always, always, always omitting goaltenders because no one ever knows a damn thing about goaltending. They just don't. They can pretend to. And every once in a while, once in a blue moon, you can take a Marc-Andre Fleury first overall after Craig Patrick trades up to get him. But for the most part, you have no idea what you're getting, what round you'll get it from, or even if they need to be drafted. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. Real live training camp tomorrow in Cranberry. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.